distance Join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics Have a pass and match this Here's how we practice The last order conversation Hey everybody, this is John Elliott And this is Patrick Riccardi And this is Pop Culture Continuum and this week we're doing a, a John versus Pat, where we each picked our own movies that didn't necessarily have anything to do with each other, and actually didn't have anything to do with each other. Uh, Meet John Doe, which I always want to call Meet Joe Black, and uh, <laughs> The Lives of Others. Yes. And Meet John Doe was your pick, Lives of Others was mine. Uh, Meet John Doe from 1941, Lives of Others from... 2006, I believe. Um, doesn't really matter. So, Look it up. Yeah. That's what Wikipedia is there for. Um, and IMDB. And porn sites. <laughs> uh, Alright, well... Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess before we get into it, I should t- we should talk a little bit. Uh, so I, I... We're doing this later than usual because I got a migraine... Um, and I had to take some medication. So I might actually be a little bit high for this one. So if I'm uh, stumbling over my words and being incoherent, um, that has nothing to do with it because I'm always that way. But I, I might be a little bit high. Unfortunately, I don't have any kind of excuse for my incoherence. Just my way of being. And let's see, uh, so here in Oakland... Um, it's been a little bit crazy, a lot of protests about the uh, Zimmerman trial. And in Oakland, unfortunately, um, we can't ever have peaceful protests because there's always some assholes who uh, latch on to the protests who only want to be destructive. And uh, so they always get involved and, and uh, they smashed up some stuff. And they, uh, I guess they, somebody... Uh, took a hammer to a dude's head like a waiter who was uh, outside his business while they were marching and, and was trying to protect it from vandalism. Jeez. Yeah, so it was pretty nasty. Um, and one of the days, Viv Viv called me and uh, the, the shuttle wasn't wasn't coming because of, I guess because the protests were like blocking Broadway. Um, and uh, she was thinking of just uh, going to the, the Y and meeting me there. And, uh, and she was like, um, do you, so do you think I should just head over to walk over to the Y? And I like looked up on the, on the internet to see what was going on. And, uh, and it looked like there were, uh, protesters down by that way. Uh, so I told her, don't go there, girlfriend. <laughs> and that was that segment for this week. <laughs> None of that was true, by the way. I mean, the, the protest and the, and the hammer to the head were true, but. But you, Viv would never call you if she had any trouble. Viv would never call me, period. I hope she wouldn't call you that. Well, she, yeah. She would Happy call me that. Happy podcast day. Is today podcast day? It is. Happy podcast day. Well, what it's a stupid day, day we... for it to be. It's on a Sunday. Shouldn't... Well, every Sunday is podcast day. Well, almost every, every Sunday we have a podcast is podcast day. I woke up in the morning and the the neighborhood children called out, "Hello, happy podcast day, Madam Riccardi." I said, "Thank you, idiots. Goodbye." You had me going for a second because I thought there was an actual podcast day. Oh, you know, just like there's uh There is. It's 
pizza day. day and and uh, go fuck yourself day. It's also podcast day. Well, yeah. I, I heard that there was a report on NPR that said if you're hungry for pizza and you draw a picture of a pizza, you will no longer be hungry for pizza. Can I tell you something? Yes. NPR needs to start vetting their reporters because that is a bunch of horse shit. That's what I thought. I don't. But I, I think maybe it's like it's people who are able to draw just don't eat that much. So once they draw the pizza, they're like, oh, I'm done. Because if I try to draw a pizza, it's kind of a, a Picasso-esque. Oh, Picasso's good. So it's a, who's a bad drawer? It's like his. And it doesn't look like a pizza. So maybe I would be hungrier. Uh, that was some uh, good work coming over the bad drawer there, Pat. <laughs> Thank hey, you. Uh, well, you know, maybe it's just that uh, when they draw the pizza, they get so hungry that they eat the paper, so they're no longer hungry. I guess. Maybe, and maybe they just... develop a, a taste for paper after that, and, and pizza's out the window. So they're drawing pieces of paper on pizza. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> That's Sicilian pizza. Paper on it. I think Sicilian pizza is cardboard. Oh, well. more than paper. <laughs> now the Sicilians hate us. Ah, what else is new? And there are, but you know, they're a bunch of pussies. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> All right, should we get into the? Uh... Before we do, is that from something? Because I say that sometimes, and is that from a commercial or? I have no idea what it's okay. from. It's just, I know, it's part of the collective unconscious, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was book two that Jung wrote. That's a spicy meatball? Yes. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's just, you know, general racism from back I... in the day that's that's held on. Because nobody really cares about Italian rights. Um, you want to go... Meet John Doe. Meet John Doe, your pick, 1941. And... Uh, so if, talk about it a bit. If I were to take one word to describe this film, what, what would your one word be? Well, no, I want to hear your one word. My one Capra-esque. It is indeed Capra-esque, which is uh, fitting as, because, as Frank Capra directed it. Yes, that might have something to do with it. Um, well, what did you think? This is You've never seen it before. What were your, Did you enjoy it? Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, it was, I think we've talked about before i think it might be another case of uh seinfeld is unfunny where uh i've seen it done so many times since that that uh it didn't it didn't make as big an impression on me as it maybe might have but you know because like barbara stanwick right her uh her reporter is like basically a movie archetype like when you think of reporters from female reporters from the 40s that's what you think of right and i mean you yeah, exactly. I have nothing. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and the story um, was up. So the story is about a um, a woman who is getting fired from her job at the paper, and so she makes up a, a letter from somebody from John Doe, um, and the letter basically says that society is fucked, and uh, he's gonna go kill himself on uh, Christmas on Christmas day by jumping off uh, city hall. And um, so she manufactures a story and of course it becomes uh, uh, a big seller and everybody's interested in it and they want to know who John Doe is. 
they want uh, people to find her so she gets to keep her job I mean she she does it to keep her job basically um, and uh, so I mean that and that's kind of a thing with a a uh, manufactured story that that's been done a lot of times um, by a journalist I, I don't know if you saw a face in the crowd um, with Andy Griffith which is basically the same uh, kind of manufactured celebrity story, although it goes in a completely different direction. And uh, and then, of course, there's the big city episode of Get a Life. <laughs> Which might have come before this. I, I think maybe it did. But, you know, it was ahead of its time, so people didn't recognize. Um, anyway, so, so she does this. They... Uh, they have a bunch of uh, bums, basically, in the newspaper offices claiming to be the John Doe who wrote the letter, and they pick one uh, to use as the public face of of this John Doe, and then uh, and then shittiness ensues. They they yeah. Uh, he's, the rest... he, he gets exploited by by all kinds of people, and um, for different ends. I mean, they they want. Uh, him to endorse a politician it ends up and and uh there are john doe societies you know it's well i mean it is very capra-esque in that uh it's you know sticking up for the little guy kind of a story and and that's what it's about john doe is kind of an everyman and uh i i will i one thing i do want to say i don't know i watched it uh i watched it on amazon prime i rented it um the transfer was horrendous i don't know if that was the case when you watched it I got the DVD. The DVD wasn't great either. It was, you mean it was kind of scratchy? Yeah, very scratchy and dark, and yeah, uh, and the sound wasn't great. Um, kind of surprising for uh, a movie. That, I mean, it's 1941, but it's kind of a, it's a classic. So you think they'd have a, a more of a cleaned up print? I mean, it's a, a popular classic. It's it's been highly touted for a long time and i assume that tcm has shown it many times so you you think they'd have a cleaned up version yeah i mean it's frank capra like we said so yeah yeah I, you would yeah. and especially compared to uh like make way for tomorrow which was earlier which looked much better oh yeah yeah maybe it's one of those stories where the original didn't was in the wrong warehouse and it burned up or something like that yeah or like some sicilian was eating pizza off of it as they do or drawing uh, pictures of pizza on it. Livy's dieting. Ruined it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so so story-wise... Um, I think the story didn't matter as much as the performances. I thought that there was a lot of great performances in this, the, especially the sporting cast. Um, oh, see, and I, I felt kind of the opposite of you because I thought uh, Gary Cooper did a really good job. Um, and, and I thought some of the supporting cast seemed like... Uh, like every other supporting cast uh, in the '40s, to me, a lot of them. But well, who were you I mean, thinking? a few of them were were literally the supporting cast in every other movie. James Gleason and Walter Brennan seem to be, show, but James Gleason and Walter Brennan, who are specifically you, I was thinking of. I thought they both did good uh, comedic, dramatic performances. Yeah, well, Walter Brennan's always going to be good. Helots, helots. I forget he, helots. Helots, because helots. Uh, there are a lot of heels. <laughs> No, that was that was grown worthy. James Gleason playing uh, when he decides to tell Gary Cooper the the gig is up. I mean everything, the truth about everything. And he's drunk. I thought that was really funny, but also really kind of dark. 
Yeah, you that know, was a really good scene. That was that was uh, definitely the darkest scene uh, in the in the movie. I thought. But they were able to keep some comedy in there, and it was it was very well done. I thought. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought the comedy. I mean, the comedy was uh, the comedy of 1941, and and uh, you know that's it's not that kind of stuff doesn't play well uh, with me necessarily today. But uh, I mean, it was good for for its time. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, if if anything really stood out for me. Um, I mean, there were some there were some good lines in it. Um, I, there was one line I didn't get, uh, although I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be like a masturbation reference, because they were talking about uh, when he, when uh, John Doe, they put him up in a hotel, um, and uh, they somebody asked about him, and somebody said, he just sits around all day and commutes with himself. I, I don't know. I, I think they're just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't it's think pos- it was masturbation forever. I Maybe. It's possible I misheard and they said communes with himself too because commutes with himself doesn't even make any sense. Well, maybe that was the point. Was it that dumb uh, assistant that said it? Maybe the point was he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yes, it was a dumb assistant. So it's just like he was using a word that he didn't know, which that might have been it. I mean, it's always interesting to watch these uh, movies from a a different time uh, just because, you know, (laughs) there's just crazy shit like... uh, I don't know if you noticed, but like, I guess back in 1941, a soda jerk could have a model for a wife. <laughs> and that that scene was weird too. So this this is uh, the uh, the first John Doe society comes and they and they uh, want to meet John Doe and they're talking to him and, and so the soda jerk is like the spokesman and he's telling about how uh, because of John Doe and his speech, uh, everybody is like they're they're getting to know their neighbors and and uh be more friendly with their neighbors but basically he just talks shit about all his neighbors he's like this we thought this guy was a toothless old uh you know piece of shit but it turns out he's all right just all right yeah yeah it turns out he's okay i don't think any at any time period was that scene something you saw and said oh that's just like us that was just totally a movie scene it was and and i think uh that uh, that a lot of it uh i mean especially like i don't mean to keep going back to make way for tomorrow but um it was very this movie is very hollywood in comparison uh to that and and to some of you know i mean obviously it's a it's a studio picture and they're gonna um it's going to be more for a mass audience. But, you know, when I think of stuff like Italian neorealism and stuff and how, how different uh, this was from that, I, I guess it's not fair to really compare that when I knew what this was going in, Frank Capra. And I, I even even though it was a light Hollywood picture, I thought there was some a lot of darkness to it. Just the fact that it's based on a, a, a fake suicide story and there's all the... Um, the depression era, just poverty that surrounds the entire movie. No, that that's true. There was there was a lot of a lot of talk about uh, economic hardship in the movie, which uh, which I mean, well, I guess how could they really ignore um, at that point? But it was nice to see it in the movie. Um, and uh, I mean, Caparesque does does mean uh, uh, the working guy and stick it, but it also all or not all, but a lot of his movies have the corruption 
of pa- the powerful being so corrupt. And it's it was full on in this movie with Ed- Edward Arnold playing uh, was D.B. Norton, the the industrialist who was. You knew there could have been boos and hisses as he came on the screen. You knew from the beginning it was going to be the bad guy. Oh yeah, the fat cat industrialist. Yeah, he and he he played it to the hilt. Uh, well, I mean, I do I do appreciate that too. The uh, you know the rich being seen as kind of you know I mean I I don't want to get into class warfare or anything, but yeah, that's it. Frank Capra is definitely for the uh, the middle class and below. uh, No, there is a scene with a a black guy as I guess he was a janitor in that building, and he kind of had a. It was kind of weird. That's. Do you remember what I'm talking about? The end of the movie. No, remind me. At the end of the movie, when um, the colonel is protecting the the city hall to make sure uh, John Doe doesn't come in, in the same hallway is the janitor who's smoking a cigar and anytime someone comes into the city hall, he's, he hides it in his hat. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. I just thought that was a little odd. And first I was like, is this, is this some kind of racist caricature? They're saying, well, he's so lazy. He needs to smoke when he's on the job. And then later I'm like, well, maybe it was more subversive than that. Maybe they're talking about this guy has to work on Christmas day. And even though the fat cats are smoking the entire movie, not caring about it, he has to hide the fact that he's smoking right, while he's working on Christmas Day. He's not allowed to smoke on the job. Right, that's right. How, that's more how I would take it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And and uh, yeah. So I mean, it's got a good it's got a good story arc. You know, it it, it was actually kind of long. It was a little over two hours. Um, but you know, so this this kind of bumpkin. Well, he was a hobo, basically. Uh, yeah. The guy they picked for John Doe, and he had his a, a hobo with these these impossible dreams. Right. Well, he was a he was a baseball uh, pitcher for the uh, the minor leagues, right? And, uh, and he threw his arm out somehow, and he threw his arm out. So his his goal was to get enough money to get an operation to fix his arm, so he could go back to baseball. Um, and then he got caught up in this in other people's machinations for him. And uh, so, so he becomes a spokesperson. Well, he becomes John Doe, but his uh, he's just a mouthpiece because the reporter who wrote the original letter is writing all his speeches for him. Um, but it strikes a chord with uh, with the general public. You know, they put him on the radio, and uh, and then but then he has a crisis of conscience uh, in that in the scene we were talking about, which is. Um, the dark scene where um, the dude talks to him about what's really going on and what their plans for him are, um, which is to have him endorse a, uh, a politician. Well, there was a they created a, a third party, a John Doe party. Um, they, that's what the plan was, and the and the guy who who backed everything, who just seemed like he was doing it for just for goodwill, wanted at that point he was going to be named the the running for president. And since the John Doe party consisted of the everybody in the United States was a part of it. It was had more people than Democrat and Republican parties that they were going to definitely go take him to the white house. Right. Right. And, uh, so he balked at that and, uh, and was publicly shamed because the, uh, the fat cat came on the radio and, and told everybody he was a fake. Um, and, and they cut his mic before he could, he could explain himself and, they sent instigators to start riots. Yeah, to start, which they had planned to do 
whether he backed the guy or not, because then the guy could bring in his, the fat cat could bring in uh, his uh, forces of order to quill the uh, the demonstrators and and show you know why he was worthy of of you know or his man was worthy of the presidential nomination. Uh, yeah, I mean it definitely relevant as relevant today probably as it was back then, which is interesting. Yeah, I I, I found that I haven't watched the movie for twenty years, and I, I it's just a touch. It struck me that it was still so. I guess it always will be. There's always going to be these class, different classes and power corrupting. And yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the class division in this country has only gotten worse, uh, in, in some ways. Yeah. I, I don't know from back then, but in the past 30 years for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is weird because in, in some ways it's also, um, there are a lot of things that are, that are equal. Like, I mean, the internet's kind of a good equalizer because everybody has access to it. You know, most people even in the ghetto have a PS3 or something. And, uh, uh, you know, I drive through the ghetto often. I live in Oakland and, uh, there's a lot of direct TV, uh, dishes in, in people's window in the, (laughs) in the big tenements and stuff, you know, but, but in the, I mean, that's all consumerism, uh, for the most part. I mean, I think in, in the important ways it's gotten worse. And I think the poor get fucked more now than I can't say than they ever did because they, there used to be really sweatshop conditions and stuff, but yeah, I wouldn't say than they ever did, but probably more now than six, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Reagan. Once again, <laughs> lay that shit at his doorstep where it should be. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it was a good movie for sure. I didn't I didn't find it great. I don't think it uh it was transcendent or anything. I think it was Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I I think I built it up more in my memory than when I actually watched it. I enjoyed it. I think it's it's a lot of fun and it's a good movie, Maybe not a lot of fun, but it's a very good movie, but it definitely isn't a, it isn't a great movie. It isn't like it, it w- wouldn't be my favorite movie by far. By far wouldn't be that. Yeah. And I mean and that that happens especially when you it's been a long time since you've seen something. When I, uh, when I first got a DVD player, um, never mind Blu-ray. When I first got a DVD player, the very first DVD I bought was *The Last Dragon*. I don't know if you remember that. It was uh, produced by Barry Gordy. It had uh, show enough. It was like a black uh, kung fu dude. <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, don't, because it. it <laughs> my memory of it was so much better than the actual product that, uh, it was, a it was a crash course in how, uh, nostalgia is bad and your memory is usually faulty. <laughs> well, uh, interesting anecdote that I read, uh, the writer of this was named Robert Riskin and he wrote a couple other Frank Capra movies, including it happened one night and Mr. Deeds goes to town. And apparently he was, after this movie, he was upset with all the credit Capra was getting and all the, the praise. So he decided not to work with them anymore. And I don't know if it's a true story, but if it, even if it isn't, it's a good story. He apparently went to Capra, gave him a piece of paper and said, put the famous Capra touch on this and gave the paper to him. And the, paper, the piece of paper just had a, a piece of pizza written on it. Oh, I, I no, I've heard that story, too. I think it is true. And then uh, Frank Capra ate it. And he was never hungry again. 
No, well, and that's also why he died from an iron deficiency, I think. Probably. Too much roughage. But no, the rest of that is truly blank, blank piece of paper. I thought it was a funny story. Yeah, so Frank Capra was one of the very fat cats he talked he, against in his movies. Of course, and he pushed Robert Riskin to the very edge, and Robert Riskin went on to write... I don't think he wrote anything good, so maybe Buffy, Frank Capra did have some talent. Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> the movie, not the TV series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How about the end of uh, Meet John Doe with, with the Jesus stuff? I was I didn't expect that to happen. No, I didn't either. Well, I th- I thought the ending was kind of weird. Like it was it was a Hollywood ending, but but also kind of odd the way they did it. Yeah, and I liked it. I, I it was odd though. With yeah, it was like they threw everything in there. Yeah. Well, it, no. Go ahead. Is that what you mean by odd? How the fact that they had the fat cats there and the the first. John Doe Society. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's trying to talk him off the ledge. I didn't quite get the the fat cat, uh, his motivation for trying to talk him off the ledge. Well, they didn't. If if he jumped, I guess that was going to be a big story. But a a big story. So they're like, come back. So there'd be a groundswell for for him. Right, make him a martyr. Right. Um, Yeah, I guess I can see that. I I just couldn't really see the dude taking time out of his busy schedule of chomping cigars to come down there and it's christmas that's it's the true. only thing he could do yeah, he already but... finished ruining all sorts of poor people's christmas so he might as well go and make sure he doesn't have an enemy yeah maybe one of the ghosts of uh christmas past came to him and and told him to do it uh yeah it was, it was a little weird and then of course the uh the total Hollywood ending. I mean, if you have to ask whether the dude jumped off the building or not, uh, you, you must have, you must be visiting this planet. But from I don't galaxy. think I want to see, I don't want to see the movie where he jumps off the building. I don't think that would be a good movie. It wouldn't make any sense. No, but of yeah. course, of course it wouldn't. But w- what I'm trying to say is there was no real tension there right, um, as right. a viewer, because you're like, well, yeah, no shit. Uh, we, we know what's going to happen. And, and, and the thing, the thing I think about Capra is sometimes people complain about this kind of almost too happy ending. But when you're you're thinking about this ending, it's happy, but it's also everybody still hates him. I mean, this one group came and said they believed him, but nobody else did. So he's still kind of everybody. It, it's that's life's true. Still he's he's kind of a national pariah still. Yeah, um, it's just like at the end of a lot of Capra movies, lots of good things happen, but things basically still suck. Yeah, people are still fucked. Yeah, um, they're still yeah. stuck with their lives. Uh, no, that's that's true, and not something I thought about. Uh, w- one thing I did think about was that for such a long movie, it um, I I found the ending extremely pat. Like they they just wrapped it up really quick. That scene. Yeah. I thought we're, yeah. Okay, everything's all right now. Don't do it. All right, I'm not. The Goodbye, end. Friend. Did you notice that the first time he gave a speech? The big boss is listening to it on the radio, and the, the nephew's there trying to talk to him, and he keeps waving him away. And then they do one of those things where they show the speech went for 45 minutes, but you don't see the whole thing. And at the end of the speech, this nephew's still trying to talk to him, and he's waving away. It's like, you think before, like 20 minutes before that, the nephew could have gotten the point? Leave the guy the hell alone. Have <laughs> so you ever awesome. dealt with nephews? <laughs> oh, my God, they can't get the point. <laughs> Oh, and going back to the Jesus stuff, I, I I think the the way that 1940s or 
1940s, maybe even into the 50s, the way they dealt with Jesus is the right way. It was never about, it was never like a Christian uh, savior soul kind of Jesus. It was always this Jesus, it's like a social justice Jesus. He'd, he'd be your neighbor. Right, so which I, is the I Jesus like I can identify with, uh, the Jesus as a person. Un- right. Undoubtedly a good dude who uh, stood up for the little guy um, in real life. Um, any Anything beyond that I have no connection to but yeah no no totally i i agree with uh, that assessment all right <laughs> me chando is done uh, yeah i think we are done i mean it's yeah it's a Isn't good it? movie i would say um i mean i would say people don't need to run out and see it uh, uh i would say it's it's probably more for um Film, you know, film history students and and Frank Capra fans and stuff. Um, and Gary Cooper fans because he is very good in it. He's very good. I he had a lot uh, a lot more subtlety than I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Barbara Stanwyck, she's all right. She, like I said, her her role has been done and parodied so many times in that that it's hard to. It's hard to give her credit, but but uh, she was no Gary Cooper in it. Uh, but but she she did her job well. Uh, okay, the lives of others. Since this was my pick, I'll ask your thoughts on this one. I, I first I would say if you have not seen this movie and you would like to, and you should because it's very good, you should turn off the podcast now because I did not know anything about the movie before I saw it, and I think it it made me appreciate it more not knowing the story. So turn it off now. Give us good ratings, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, it buy, was excellent. Buy albums by the Divine Comedy and uh, turn this podcast off now. Go watch it and then come back. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it before I saw it either. So, yeah, go ahead. It was it was excellent and it was surprising. I did not expect the, the Stasi officer who's uh, HGW. I don't know. is Vischer? Uh, I forget his name. But the, the main character, I did not expect his character to be like that from the start in the beginning of the movie. He is a, a hardline uh, investigator or that's not the right word. Um, well, he's, he's, he's a, uh, I mean, a mid-level bureaucrat in East Berlin. Uh, most of the movie takes place in 84 and uh, his job is to keep tabs on undesirables or, or um, suspected enemies of the state. I mean, when we first meet him, he is uh, questioning a suspect over ten hours and just putting him to, to the ultimate, like as as far as he can push him to get the answers he wants. So he's seen, he's shown as really a hard hard character. So through the course of the movie, he the uh, through the movie he's investigating an artist, a uh, a playwright, and his. His, I don't know if it's his wife or girlfriend, who's an actress, and, and and listening to their their lives and living in their lives, and through the course of the movie, he starts to really sympathize with them for a number of reasons. But I did not expect that. I thought I didn't think that that was what was going to happen, and it was believable and really very well done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like you said at the start, he's he's basically a puppet for the state, and he's a by the book. He even teaches a class in in uh, interrogation and breaks down how you get people to confess uh, to crimes, whether they're guilty or not. Basically, I mean, that's the gist of it. He, you know, he 
says that there's there's a way to tell, um, but but you get from what he's saying that just you know 48 hours of of interrogation is going to basically make anybody admit to anything. And uh, I don't uh, I don't think he saw himself as a puppet of the state. I think he was a true believer. He thought that the state was right. Oh no, he believed in what he was doing, and yeah, no, he totally thought that. Uh, he was morally right, and and that the agency he worked for was uh, was just right. And then through the course of the movie, when on the one hand the 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 fat cat that's that's the parallel between these two movies, the two fat cats. The fat cat was sent them investigating this playwright because he wanted his, his the to be with the girl. When he figured that out, that kind of turned him away from it. And because he says to his former schoolmate, is this why we got into this? Right. So, yeah, there there is a uh, higher level bureaucrat in his department who has a thing for this actress who lives with the, the playwright. And really, I mean, the the, uh, the main character, the, the mid-level guy, um, the fact that they even go after this... Uh, this playwright is kind of just a whim of his really that of course the, uh, the higher level guy agrees with cause he's into this, this woman, but you know, he's like, well, maybe we should check him out. I don't trust anybody. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it, but, because the playwright but it, was supposedly a model citizen and you know, he, all his plays, uh, elevated the state above all else. But, but he was like on a whim, you know, kind of, well, let's check him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, the, and and the the higher level guy, the fat cat, let's call him, uh, higher level bureaucrat, uh, was a repulsive character, who was who was totally into this woman and basically raped her. And, oh yeah, raped her for sure. And made her uh, come to meet him with, never expressly said, but but uh, the idea was that if she didn't, it would be trouble for her playwright boyfriend. Right. Or husband, um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, this this mid level guy uh, sets up surveillance on the uh, on the playwright and his girlfriend, and um, and is listening in and slowly begins to empathize with them. And and, and through through the fact that he he can't he can't stand the reasoning for it, but also because the the playwright touches him as like when he finds out his his uh mentor or i don't know his friend dies he just starts playing music and and it brings it brings the mid-level guy to tears yeah yeah the uh the playwright is playing piano i think it was a, a mozart mozart piece and uh and the the guy the bureaucrat listening yeah starts crying and um i think you're right that that he knows that his boss who's who's raping the guy's girlfriend and and you know setting up trysts with her um he he comes to realize that's why they're surveilling her and that disgusts him, and so then he sets about breaking that up. So he he rings the doorbell when she's coming home from the the, the time she got raped to make sure that the playwright knows what's going on. Yeah, the playwright walks out and sees her getting out of the the uh, fat cat's car, and then when he finds out that there's an argument between the playwright and the and the and the woman, he and she decides to, not an argument. She decides that she she lies to him and says she's going to see a schoolmate, but she's really going to see the fat cat. And the playwright knows what's going on and tries to make her stay, and she doesn't stay. The he goes the mid level guy goes beyond just listening and watching. He goes to talk to her and make and he, convince her. Yes, he leaves his post. He meets her at a bar and talks to her as 
a fan of her work and and uh, that that was a really good scene i thought i thought so too um and yeah you can you can tell when he starts becoming a human rather than an automaton um in the movie and starts questioning basically is what we're doing right at all you know he starts questioning everything i mean basically his whole identity and mm-hmm. and uh what east germany how it's functioning and and there was another good scene with uh where he got in the elevator with a kid oh, yeah. and, and the kid asks him are you stagi and he he's like who told you that and he's like my dad um and and you know the kid says something like um well he says he says uh, what who told you what stasi is and and the kid says, my dad says they're uh, bad people who put good people in prison or something along those lines. Right, right. And he says, oh, that's interesting. What's the name of your... And then he checks himself and says, your ball. <laughs> because he, you can see... I mean, that, that's when you, you see he's, uh, he's maybe realizing you can't imprison every single goddamn person uh, in your country just for... Yeah, and it- and this realization is is slow throughout the movie too. It's not like he just suddenly because at one point the the playwright wants to check to see if he's being uh, listened into on, and uh, so they make up this story that they know if people listening in on someone will get arrested. So they make up the story and they do it, and he hears it and he says he starts to call the home office to let them know that something's going on, and he stops himself and he says, "Okay, this time I'm going to let you go." I'll let you get away with it this time, but not so implying that next time he's not going to let, let them get away. But then as things go on, he just keeps going, let, letting them go, letting them go. Cause he just, right. He, well, yeah. so th- that was, that was one thing I, I wasn't clear on. Um, so, uh, the, he's got friends o- over the playwright and, uh, they're talking about, uh, one's from West Germany and he's talking about smuggling his nephew, uh, into West Germany. Um, that's their plan to see if, if the playwrights being, uh, listened to surveilled and uh and instead of calling the checkpoint and telling him like you said he says all right this time but i didn't know did he know that that was their plan to see if if somebody was listening or was he just like no he he didn't know because later he didn't right so he was just like all right i'll let this one go because because the playwrights one of the playwrights friends his mentor had already hanged himself and uh and so i I think the the guy listening the uh the bureaucrat was kind of like well, this is fucked up. That that's how right. I read it. Well, I've I've read it that he had sympathy for him, but so he didn't want to turn him in. And he's like, I'm going to let you do this thing because b- before this, all my investigating, you never did anything bad. Right. So this isn't going to be bad enough for me to turn you in. So he let that go. And then when they got worse, he's just like, he was all in by that point. But okay. he still at that point, he still wasn't letting him do everything. He was just like, okay, I'll let this one slide because. It's not that big of a deal. But then later in the movie, he figures out that the, the guy never left. So he, I, I guess he realizes it was just a ploy then. A ploy. But before that, he didn't know. Because he comes in and that, the kind of funny co-worker is, is telling him what's going on. And he says, and uh, what's his name is here? He's like, he's there? He's like, yeah. So. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought they did a real, like you said, it wasn't it wasn't any kind of drastic, sudden change of, abrupt change of heart. Uh I thought they did a really good job of showing his growth. I mean, uh, from the beginning, he he was just, he lived just kind of an austere, sterile life, and his only real contact with other people, as, aside from the people he reported to at work, was was with prostitutes, right? Like right. He would hire, but 
until he started listening and then i i think felt like a, a connection to the people he was listening to as as real people mm-hmm. yeah and, and as real people and i think the art touched him too Yes, the, yeah, definitely the art touched him. He stole uh he stole the playwright's Brecht. uh book. Right. Right, and it was a uh, goddamn Brecht. Yeah, a Brecht book from him and was and was reading Because he it heard the conversation bed. between uh, the the mentor and the playwright and he said, "Oh, I I get I don't you know, he didn't say that, but that's the book he took, the book that they were talking that about." They, yeah, yeah, he took the Brecht book and was reading it on his bed. Um Yeah, so I mean, it's yeah, it is a really good movie. I mean, and and the whole thing was kind of, you know, uh, uh, I mean, depressing, but also hopeful. I think. I think so. I think more hopeful than depressing. Yeah, I think. I mean, the depressing because part it, of it was that it it was people who could not do the right thing because of the system that they were forced to live under. Right. I've and but it was it was hopeful in the fact that there's this one guy in this movie, of course in real life nothing like this ever happened, but there's this one guy who bucked the system and tried to save these people. And yeah, and he paid for it. He paid for it, but the, it was nice when when he says you're going to be there a long time, they immediately zoomed in on the Gorbachev. So I thought that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, the the he so he gets busted down because uh basically his superior realized that he was helping this uh this playwright and his girlfriend out well we should mention his girlfriend doesn't make it uh she she gets taken in uh by the stasi and uh and questioned and is forced to to betray her boyfriend basically i thought she betrayed pretty quickly i was surprised by that I mean, I understand it, but I was still surprised by how quickly she turned. Well, if you remember, the first time she betrayed him, she didn't mention where he kept right. the well, typewriter, which is is a a point we don't need to really go into. But uh, but then, no, but I mean, even the first time, I thought she even telling that they even without telling where the where the typewriter was, I was surprised that she turned so quickly because she was only there a couple hours. Well, I think she she lived under. Yeah, that yeah, system and knew knew what the penalty was going to be. I mean, but and then the scene between her and uh, the mid level bureaucrat where he gets the information from her, I was under the impression that she knew that he was on her side. So when she got it, I was a little surprised by that because she had met him previously in the and he the was bar. emphasizing the audience, which implied him. So I thought she was. She, that he was speaking in code, which in his mind he might have been, I think and that he, she was picking it up. I think but I don't he think was, she picked it up. No, I think he was speaking in code, and I don't think she picked it up. Right. Um, yeah. And and so little did she. So there, there's a plot involving a typewriter that they were looking for that would that would uh, basically implicate the playwright for implicate the, the acts against the state. Right. Right. Um, uh, so the the second time they're interrogating her, she did say where it was, uh, and and she didn't know that the the bureaucrat had gone in and moved it. Um, so she ended up killing herself for betraying the playwright. Um, and that broke up the middle level bureaucrat because he goes out to her and says, she says, I couldn't live with turning or betraying him, and he's like, Don't you understand? I I I changed it. I changed it. Right, but why would she have any idea? Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, and then you know you're right, and then and then uh, so anyway, his his boss 
basically tells him, we know you did something here. You know, you were falsifying reports. Uh, you, uh, they, they imagine he took the typewriter, I'm sure. Um, he said, we can't prove anything, but you're busted down. You'll be, you'll be sorting letters in a basement for the next 20 years. And, and then, like you said, the, uh, the Berlin wall came down. So it wasn't, it wasn't nearly that long. Although, did you notice in that steam, that room where he's steaming the letters, the guy who told him the wall came down was the same guy who earlier in the movie told the joke in the cafeteria? No, some, uh, <laughs> that was another good scene. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, some, some other functionary was telling some joke about the high commander or whoever. And, uh, and these two guys, the, the middle level bureaucrat and his boss were there listening and, and the, they basically told him your career's over. <laughs> even though they they said no please continue with the joke yeah, we've yeah. we've heard all these um it's it's good fun and then and then you know fuck no i didn't notice that that's pretty awesome um and then uh and a very very heartwarming ending very heartwarming so yeah the uh the playwright i guess you know after the wall came down there was basically the the uh, equivalent of the freedom of information act and and he kind of found out he he inferred or suspected that somebody had helped them along because he was told by the the fat cat who he talked to that uh, he'd been under surveillance the whole time and he was like well then how the fuck did you never arrest me for what you should have arrested me for um, so he gets his files and he sees that everything that was hidden and the only information about the person is this HGW so. But what I I wasn't sure about is he's reading the file and in the file there's the description of the play that they're writing. So did the mid-level bureaucrat make all that up? Yeah, he made that up because <laughs> yeah. they weren't actually writing a play. The the playwright was writing a manifesto. <laughs> right. I just wasn't sure if they like. Yeah. No. He faked that. Side that said that because they did mention the 40th anniversary play, but they never said any plot points. So I think it's awesome that they had that it was written as the mid-level bureaucrat writing all that that play. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty well. You know, what else has he got to do sitting there listening and writing reports yeah, all yeah. night? Um, <laughs> except make and he has up to a put something play. there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, he he made up uh, evidence to to spare the, uh, the playwright. And, uh, and so the playwright, uh, finds out who he is and goes to visit him, but he, he sees him and decides, uh, not to speak to him, not which to, which was very disappointing. Him. Cause I thought they were going to end the movie with that. I was like, Oh, he needs to, he needs to know that, you know, but, but he, he does find out because, uh, at the end of the movie, the playwright writes a book and dedicates it to him, to his initials, H G. W right, or whatever yeah. so it is. I, I thought that was a nice heartwarming touch to nice. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, well, one thing, just a, a really good movie, a very good solid movie. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to mention was that I thought the cinematography was beautiful throughout the whole thing. Yeah, there was, it was very good camera work. You, what did specifically were you thinking of? Just, you know, because it was so, I mean, a lot of it was just so gray and uh oh that yeah and oppressive but but they also made it look like the streets looked uh just very cinematic i i just really Mm -hmm. liked the the uh the eye for that that the uh, cinematographer had that reminds me of another interesting touch when they 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 went directly from 
the mid-level guy's house apartment to the playwright's house and they sh- just showed the the stark differences where it's the the playwright's house is so warm and inviting and has all these books all around and it just looks like a nice place to be and the mid-level guy is just stark there's nothing there but utilitarian stuff you could sit here but there's no books there's no right no it, pieces of personality there at all it might as well be a uh, a cheap hotel, hotel room yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, oh, we should have mentioned this from the beginning. If you want to watch this, you probably need to know how to read because it's in German. It's German, yeah. It's it's got subtitles, so uh, we we probably just turned uh, half of you off to it, but it's it's worthwhile. I I just assume our listeners are morons. <laughs> I know it. They're listening to us, and we're morons, so it's transitive property. Yeah, you. I mean. We we're the one actually providing the content. Those listening are are therefore even stupider. Ipso facto. Ipso facto, stupid fatso. Um. Yeah. So. That's. That's it for for that movie. I think we, <laughs> pretty. We just gave the. Just the told plot. you the whole plot, so there's no <laughs> yeah, need to watch so it. Yeah. Don't bother. Um. But yeah, Maybe yeah. somebody will transcribe this podcast and you can read the plot of the movie without watching it. I hope they transcribe it in German. <laughs> it can... It can yeah, never mind. A, uh, well, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I didn't think you wouldn't. It's a, it's a good movie. It kind of reminded me of movie well i like i said i was watching broadcast news which really impressed me it reminded me of movies from that era where like there doesn't have to be huge drama every three minutes and like they just let the story unfold and it and it goes at uh uh i mean you you would say a snail's pace compared to something like uh transformers or something but at a reasonable pace you know mm-hmm. and then, and everything's subtle there's nothing. There's nothing huge. Yes, it's it's an adult movie for adults. Not that kind of adult. Not movie. that. Although there is some uh, boobies, but yeah, very yeah. few. Well, two, or maybe three. I think I think three. I think it was that green woman from Star Trek, who is in a a, a Canadian show now called Continuum. Really? Mm-hmm. I was making that up because I've never seen Star Trek, but. Oh, I'm talking about the Star Trek movie that came out a couple of years ago. Not the Star Trek TV series, which I know you're a big fan of, as you are a fan of hard science fiction. Huge. We should we should do that, uh, the original Star Trek versus something. Because I, um, even, even as a kid in the 70s, I thought it was a stupid show, and I thought it was corny, and I don't get the love for it, but... So, I don't, I don't, I never, I like Star Trek as a thing, but I never really liked the original series. I, when I was in high school, I used to love Star Trek The Next Generation. Me too. I used to watch that all the time. Um, I, I don't know. Love's a, a strong word. There were, you know, 12 channels. Well, there's nothing and, really in the world that you love, so I know it's strong for you. There, there are a couple things I love. Um, the, the smile of a puppy. <laughs> That's it, really. <laughs> and the only way to get a smile from the puppy is to pull its tail, so it's cool. Yeah, to kick it. Ooh. Um, yeah, so that was uh, 
Well, yeah, it's it, it's a good movie. They're both uh, they're both good. I I think uh, the lives of others was better, but that's just my. Well, we say versus, but we don't really pit them against each other when we say uh, meet John Doe versus the no, lives. No, we of don't. I would say but the though, lives of others probably would win in a fight. Yeah, I well, it is German. Yeah, that's true. Um, but this was 1940s USA, so they they actually did beat Germany. Or yeah. No, I, Britain did. I forget who won that war. That's true. They had spunk back then. Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what world you live in. I've read a lot of, you know, these um, alternate histories where Germany won. So. Oh, I, I did not know you were into that uh, sort of speculative fiction. I am not at all. I was joking. But you've read them. <laughs> I've read them. This is the court of law. Just because you say it doesn't mean it goes down in the record. Well, uh, I, you know... After watching this uh, Lives of Others, I'm a little wary of anything I say not going down on the permanent record. And also the NSA. Also making this movie very uh, timely. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, yeah, so next week uh, we are going to do... Degrassi Junior High versus... Freaks and Geeks. Yes. I think that'll be fun. I think so. I've never seen Degrassi Junior High, so I think I'll enjoy that. And I've seen Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks. Well, that's tough to say fast, but it's good. Not and it's, really. It's it is for me, uh, and it will need, be neat to see those guys who became superstar actors as young people. Yeah, well, I I, I always loved that show. Um, Degrassi Junior High is fucking off the hook, dude. I. We'll, we'll see what you think. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about it until next Is it week. as good as Saved by the Bell? It's, uh, you, you can't compare the two. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> <laughs> then you failed. Uh, it, it is as good as Saved by the Bell. I would go so far as to say it's better than Saved by the Bell. <laughs> okay, so there must be, every character must be like Screech. <laughs> That's it precisely. Yes. I can't wait. In a way, you're not that far instances. off. <laughs> in a way that's wrong. In, in, yeah, in a far more important your way, you're completely wrong. Uh, although, as far as I know, no actress from Degrassi has gone shit-fuck crazy and given insane interviews to Entertainment Tonight or anything recently. So, Someone from uh, Freaks and Ge- Linda? The, someone from Freaks and Geeks went crazy? No, from Saved by the Bell. Oh, someone from Saved by the Bell went crazy? Yeah. Oh, which I, one? I hate to say it, but the black chick. I can't remember. Really? Her, I can't remember her character's name. I don't. I never watched that show, but I. I didn't know she went crazy. I know the other ones are still acting. That's or oh, Screech isn't. Yeah, it's kind of sad because I, I saw some interview with her where she was like, she went on to explain how she's not crazy, but obvious. I mean, it's obviously. She's suffering from schizophrenia or something, so it was very classy of them to air that interview. Uh, By crazy, do you mean she's like, oh, I, I don't support the Republican Party? Because I know how conservative you are. I am extremely... Yeah, no, it's not... It's not. Uh, that's why I love Stacey Dash. One of the few black actresses not afraid to stand up for Mitt Romney. <laughs> I don't know who Stacey Dash is. Clueless. Is that... Oh, oh so it's not the person who, who created Mrs. Dash. Well, she is also the person who created Mrs. Dash. Okay, that's yeah. a very good spice. Thank you, Stacy. 
Um, yeah, what the hell were we talking about? Uh, oh, uh, crazy people from Saved by the Bell. And yeah. next week's episode, which is Freaks and Geeks versus... Oh, wait, that's the wrong way. Degrassi Junior High versus Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, which which will be fun. Uh, this one, uh, this one kind of serious, but like I said, I had a migraine too, so... I'm not well, I was, I was also, I, I enjoyed talking about, sometimes when we get into the movies, I really enjoy talking about the plot and different little things in them. It's, it's hard to be funny when you're talking about fun movies. I mean, yeah. good movies. Yeah, and I mean, we don't have to do our shtick every time. We're not fucking dancing monkeys. I don't even know if I have a shtick. I mean, I, we are dancing monkeys, but. <laughs> I wish. Me too, I'd be rolling in the dough. Yeah, you ever see them on the street? Constantly. I actually never have, I wish I did. I, th- I don't Speaking know, some fucking pita bullshit. I was walking down uh, the street yesterday, and <clears throat> I heard this woman on the phone, and she said, she she is too young to be called, that girl is too young to be called, that girl is too young a child to be called a bitch. And I really wanted to turn around and stop her and ask, what age? What age is, is appropriate to be called call a bitch? Call the girl a bitch, but I was not able to do that. <laughs> you don't call a two-year-old a cunt? <laughs> Wait till they're at least five. So they can understand. Jesus Christ. Oh, people. The sad thing is that it's coming from a woman. <laughs> well, she's laying down a law saying not to say it, so it's not sad. I get No, I guess that's empowering. Wait until she's a teenager. <laughs> so that but, was amusing. I have a, an amusing, somewhat amusing story, I thought, uh, although it's uh, old, but I don't need to tell you that. I could say it happened yesterday. Nobody's going to know. Um, Viv got on the shuttle. Uh, Viv would know. What did you say? Viv would know. Viv, Viv would know. I'm not going to ask her. I'll get, I'm, I I already have two black eyes. I know. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not talking. Let's start the story. <laughs> so, uh, she got on the shuttle. Um, two black eyes because you had a nose job. <laughs> well, yeah. What did you think I meant? That's what I thought you meant. Yeah. Thank you. I, I didn't think anybody else could take it any other way. That's true. If you'd seen me, you'd you'd realize nose job was my number one priority. Um, Viv got on the shuttle, and uh, there was like some chick sitting there, like youngish, you know, nineteen, twenty, and uh, some dude comes on, and he's, <laughs> he's around the same age, and uh, he comes up and he goes, "Damn, what did he say?" I mean, he's like, "How you doing?" or something, you know, something shitty like that, and. Um, she kind of goes, rolls her eyes, and she goes, 510-261-8943. Like, she get, that's all you have to do to get a fucking phone number now? Dude, <laughs> at least make him put some effort into it. That's just I, sad. I was thinking the point of the story was the number she gave was some fake number. I hope it was, but <laughs> it's really fucked up. Man. I, I just don't like the idea of other people getting laid really easily. <laughs> no, but that's I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, it's weird. I I don't know. I guess that's the way of the future, Pat. <laughs> we'll be we're old-fashioned what with our getting to know someone <laughs> and not giving your number just by saying, "What what do they say? What how you doing?" Well, yeah. <laughs> how you doing, girl? Or some, yeah, some <laughs> shit like that. It, just ridiculous. I I can't, like, on the first date, like, they go out to dinner, and, like, the first thing he says is going to be like, 
So uh, I'm going to touch your pussy tonight or what? <laughs> I, I don't even get. Then she gives another phone number to call. I'm going to I'm going to say that the phone number was fake. And that was the whole point of her giving it. I'm hoping it was, but it was, I mean, I think it was a phone number to the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm thinking, I mean, it just sounded like it was so, it was so, she was so quick to give it that it was, but hopefully, yeah, she gave it to, she gave him a number of like somebody she hated. (laughs) Cause I memorized the number of everyone I hate. I do too. Cause I can't put them in the contacts on my phone because I don't want to call them, but I want to be able to do bad things to them. Yes. Uh, No, I think. I think that's the way most of us live our lives. Two six seven five 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 seven two three one. Call it. Everybody call it now. That's fucked up. Um all right. Well uh I think we're I think we're good, huh? Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else to add. Yeah, me either. Nothing nothing exciting going on, so uh so yeah, go uh Go watch some uh, Freaks and Geeks and Degrassi Junior High. They're both streaming, and you can uh, know what we're talking about next week. And Pat's just going to shut the fuck up, <laughs> I guess, for the next ten minutes. I was going to agree. Oh, people should add us on Facebook. They should give us high stars on iTunes, and they should write us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you have any games, ideas of shows we should do, you'd like to join the show. Anything or anything you'd like to say? If you have a recipe for us, yeah, just write us and be like, "How you doing?" Pictures of puppy dogs smiling, phone numbers. Please, I hate puppy dogs smiling, so please don't send those. Many, send many of those. Yeah, yeah, write us. Uh, I, I'm all right. Here's here's my prediction. Episode fifty three. Somebody will email us at, uh, at. Aside from we have had emails. From people we know. Oh, that's true. Someone we don't know will email us episode 53, which will be... Episode 53 will be about um, comic books. Okay. I'll go along with that. I will say it will be about comic books. Comic books from the future. Well, yeah. Episode 53. That'll be what? 2022? And comic books from the past, too, because that's the point of the show. Yeah, but then the past will be now. Oh, my... Oh, yeah. we'll do Private Eye versus something from the future. Oh, that's gonna! I'm so excited just thinking about it. All right, everybody, I think we're done. Okay. All right. Uh, until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>